Hey y'all, this is Sam and you're listening to Living Country in the City, episode 51. Y'all ready for your dose of flyover state spirit? Straight from the concrete jungle? Well, put down your latte and pull on your boots. It's time for Living Country in the City. All right, y'all, welcome to episode 51 of Living Country in the City. Fishing like a local isn't just about catching fish. It's about connecting with the environment and the people who call it home. It's about hearing the stories and traditions that have been passed down for generations and sharing unforgettable moments with the people you meet along the way. Fishing like a local is having an experience that stays with you forever. And with Fishing Booker, you can experience it too, no matter where you are. Discover your next adventure on Fishing Booker. This upcoming concert season will be all about the boots, and Tecovis is your stop for the best in Western style. Tecovis has seasonal and limited edition offerings this spring and summer, including men's and women's boots, apparel, hats, bags, and more. All Tecovis boots are made by hand in a time-honored tradition with timeless styles that are always on trend. And Tecovis has first wear comfort with little to no break-in period. It's hard to find this level of comfort paired with this level of style. Stop by your local Tacova store, have a complimentary drink or two, that's WCB style, and shop new styles. The smell of fresh leather and friendly staff are at your service. Many stores even have leather custom branding to make your boots truly personalized. And with regular live music and events, there's no in-store experience like it. If you can't make it into a store, just visit tecovas.com. That's T-E-C-O-V-A-S.com. They offer free shipping on all boots, as well as free returns and exchanges, and ship right to your door. Go to tecovis.com and find your new favorite pair of boots today. Y'all may be wondering what all this noise is in the background. Um, Well, I've got a slightly different episode in store for y'all. I am actually in the car on the way back from my very first uh, Arizona muley hunt. And I'm going to do a little bit of a solo episode for y'all. Hopefully y'all will find this interesting, find it helpful. Um, I'm going to talk about some of the stuff I learned and experienced on my, on my hunt. Uh, you know, a lot of experienced hunters out there may find this uh, completely obvious. And a lot of you may find it useful. I don't know, maybe... You know, maybe it's new information for you new guys, or maybe it's good reminders for uh, for people that have done it for a while. But, you know, we'll see, uh, see where my solo ramblings will take us. Well, like I said, I uh, just got back from a trip to, weekend trip to Arizona, drove out on Friday night, Saturday morning, and am heading back right now. It is Sunday evening. And I picked up um, an over-the-counter deer tag for Arizona for late-season archery. Um, If you aren't aware of this tag, it's one of the best deals you can get. You can hunt some really primo units, uh, and you can bow hunt deer during the rut. Uh, So you you can get three really good seasons of hunting in. You can chase uh, chase mule deer and coos deer during the rut, and you can also uh, chase them when they're in velvet uh, in August. So it's definitely a tag worth picking up, especially if you're putting in for any other um, 
any other points in Arizona since you've already had to pick up your Arizona hunting license. You might as well uh, get some more hunting in, especially because this is a time when there's not really a lot else to chase when it comes to Western hunting. I mean, you can get some pig in, uh, you can do some predator hunting. There's not a ton still available at this time. So really awesome opportunity that not a lot of people seem to fully know about or be aware of. So I'd highly recommend checking it out. Now, these over-the-counter tags, you are not able to buy online. Uh, This was something I learned after pulling my hair out, trying to figure out where to buy them online. Um, Not really sure why you can't buy them online, but you have to uh, head to Arizona, head to a Walmart, Big Five, uh, anywhere that sells tags, and they should be able to hook you up. Unless you're me, and you're driving in later than you expected. So, because I'm not able to take any additional time off of work, I... (laughs) I basically had a plan. I was going to take half the day on Friday, leave the office early, and then head into Arizona, hopefully get there before 10 o'clock, pick up a tag, and head to my site. Well, par usual, everything was rushed. I was running behind. I wasn't able to get out of the office in time. Uh, I had to finish up some online scouting that I had done. I had to finally... I had marked a bunch of points, but I hadn't selected a site yet, so I had to finish that. Uh, I had to get a podcast posted for uh, for my Patreon supporters, and which, by the way, if uh, you would like to see me release more content and want to help out with Living Country in the City, make sure you check out my Patreon page, patreon.com slash livingcountryinthecity, or you can find uh, info about that on my support page at livingcountryinthecity.com slash support. But so I had to get a uh, podcast released early for my Patreon supporters. So that had to go up Friday night. And I just had a long story short, I had a ton to do and was not able to get out until really late. And uh, so at that point, I figured I might as well sleep for a few hours and not die on the drive out. So I get into Arizona I'd say around 3, 4 o'clock in the morning. Head into the Walmart. They're open 24 hours. Fish and Game said anyone in a Walmart should be able to help you. There's no time limit on when they sell tags. Well, go into the Walmart, and the manager there made it very clear that she didn't like me and that I was being a complete nuisance by existing in that store at 3 or 4 o'clock in the morning. So, I wasn't sure what I was going to do. She pretty much told me, no, um, nobody here knows how to do it. Uh, Yeah, I'm sure one of the managers does, but no one here is trained on it, and blah, blah, blah. You have to come back later. Well, fortunately, there's three Walmarts in Yuma, Arizona, and the second Walmart I went to uh, had a very friendly manager who hooked me up with my tag. And also explained to me that anybody in management absolutely knows how to do that and that the lady probably was just not wanting to because it's a little bit time-consuming if you haven't done it in a while. But So a little word of advice. If you are going to be picking up your tags when you're driving into Arizona, wherever you happen to be picking up those tags, make sure you call them beforehand. 
make sure you are sure that where you're going, one will be open. Fortunately, Walmarts are open 24 hours. But also make sure that they will have someone on staff available to purchase tags. So because of all this, I ended up being an hour later getting into my hunting spot than I wanted to, which was I was already an hour later than I'd planned on getting there because in my in my haste uh, to plan the trip and get out here, I didn't account for the time change. So I got to my spot just after Civil Dawn, um, not too long before... Uh, not too long before sunrise. And I'm pulling up to the check station here. All right, sweet. They're waving me through the Arizona-California border check station. So, anyways, I, uh, I'm just pulling up to my spot uh, just a little bit before full sunrise. There's already plenty of light. I'm already super irritated with myself. So throw on my hunting boots. I make sure my uh, my pack's all nice and tight. I, I get all my gear, throw it on my back, and I start to walk out to where I'm going to glass for the rest of the day. Well, fortunately, I realized this right then and not when I got to where I wanted to glass and got my camp all set up, but... I didn't have my release on me. So, hopped in the car, started digging around for my for my release, only to realize that apparently I didn't pack it. I always keep my quiver in my car, and I have a spare release in my quiver. Well, in the hustle and bustle of unpacking and from Christmas and repacking for this trip, I must have pulled my quiver out of the car as well. So no quiver. So I'd driven five, six hours, got to my spot, no release, which is pretty important for bow hunting, just to say the least. Um, and I, you know, I had made a list before, you know, anyone says anything. I had made a list and, and I checked over it, but I didn't, I wasn't checking things off as I put them in the car. I had everything laid out and typically, when I have my list of stuff that I'm packing, when I put it in the car, that's when I check it off the list. Well, this time around, I was checking off the list when I was laying stuff out and then rushed to throw everything in the car, didn't bring my release. <sighs> Had a few moments when I was debating whether or not to just turn this into a scouting trip for next week or what I was going to do. So I looked at the time. Realized that if I started tromping to my glassing spot, I was probably going to blow out any deer anyway. Uh, if I was running through there right when they would be uh, right when they would be moving around, so decided I would drive back into Yuma and went and dropped fifty bucks on a new True Fire release. So now I have uh, two backup releases and have to go find what the heck I did with my main release um so suffice to say lists are very important but checking them off and uh at the right time and making sure you're fully packed is more important -er. well finally get in 
get up to my glassing spot. I'm up there probably about between noon and one o'clock. I'm I'm up at my glassing spot. Find a good spot. Have to side hill uh, on some super uneven footing and get to my glassing spot. Sit down for the the rest of the day and glass. Um, on the way in, actually, I saw a jackrabbit. That's about the only sign of life I saw all day. That and some tracks, but I saw absolutely nothing all day. Uh, glassed into the evening and not hide nor hair of anything. Now, I learned a few things while I was doing this. One is that I need higher power binoculars for glassing in the desert. All of my gear that I picked up, I picked up specifically for my elk hunt. That elk hunt was, I mean, still is my passion. That's what I'm absolutely obsessed with. So I planned all my gear for that hunt. Picked up the nicest uh, glass that I could afford, a pair of Vortex Diamondback 10x42s, which are great if you're, you know, cruising through thick timber and, you know, the furthest you're probably going to see is maybe, you know, 100, 200 yards across a meadow. Well, those 10x42s really are not sufficient. I think we've talked about this on prior podcasts before. Um, Those are really not sufficient when you're glassing miles from a knob out in the middle of the desert. I mean, my prime spots, I'd say, that I was glassing were only about a mile, mile and a half away. But when you're up that high, why not glass further out as well? Um, and the ability to pick out those details, especially when you're looking for those, you know, a flick of a tail, whatever that may be, the ability to pick out those details is really important. And I don't know if there was anything out there that I missed, obviously, but having that ability is just so important. And I, I know there's a lot of detail that I wasn't seeing, whether that detail included deer sign, no idea. So, there was that. I've also realized when you're out in the desert like that and you're just glassing miles away and across scrub and brush and cactus and and rocks, you really have no solid sense of scale. Um, It is incredibly difficult to judge scale unless you have some point of reference. So, the entirety of the first day, I'm, I'm glassing, I'm glassing, and I've got my mind and my eyes kind of, I guess for lack of a better term, calibrated to look for qualities or features of deer that are at a certain size. Well, the issue with that is I was expecting them to be way too big, um... Fortunately, I had perspective at two points. I had a good buddy of mine, Josh Deards from, and I apologize, Josh, if I'm totally butchering your last name right now. I realized I've never actually pronounced it. Um, but a good buddy of mine, Josh Deards from uh, Hunt 3A, he was out uh, chasing muleys, and he texted me some pictures through his phone scope, and that kind of gave me a good reference of, you know, when you're glassing two miles away, those deer are going to look teeny. 
but you don't realize that because you're looking at the scrub brush and you can't tell if that bush is a 10, 15 foot high bush or a, a two foot high bush half of the time. Um, everything just becomes so super vague um, as far as scale. But fortunately, he texted me a picture, and that helped a little bit on that first day. Second day, uh, I caught some hikers a couple miles off, and I saw them with their dog, and that gave me a really good sense of scale. It, it amazed me uh, how small they were against the landscape and against the landscape features. So that's, that's something new now that I'm going to be able to apply... To next weekend when I when I head back out here, um, I'm not sure if I already said this or not. I can't really get the time off of work, so I drive out Friday afternoons, evenings, and drive back Sundays. But so fortunately, that's something information that I can really put to use next week when I come back. Um, and next week, I'm super excited. I'm going to be hunting with Josh. He's bringing out um, some. I think. Uh, 12 and 15 power binoculars for us to use so hopefully we can um, really get deep into some of those some of those draws and washes and whatnot and maybe do a little bit more traveling up and down and see if we can glass something up and then uh, stock in on it or at least glass up some prime territory that'll be worth looking into further but really you know a good tip something to remember is as you're coming in as you're going to your your glassing spot Take note of some of the landscape features, whether it's uh, a few cactuses, um, a few specific unique-looking bushes. Take note of how tall they are, how wide they are, whatever that is. Then when you're up to your glassing spot, look back at those. You know, measure it on Onyx or Google, Google Earth or whatever. Take note of the distance from that feature to your glassing point, And then... Take note of how big or small that looks and picture a, you know, picture a mule deer in front of it, picture a person in front of it, and, and really calibrate your eyes so you can get a sense of scale as you're looking further out. You know? So you see, obviously not every cactus is going to be the same height, but generally it'll give you a better idea of what size those features of deer that you're looking for are going to be. Um, so finished up for the evening, uh, found a relatively flat spot on my glassing knob where, uh, where I could set up my tent. Um, normally I've been running a Kafaru sawtooth, which I absolutely love. It's just one of the greatest tents in the world, in my opinion. Um, but this trip, I wanted to try something lighter. The weather the entire time was pretty much in the 60s and 70s during the day and maybe down to the high 40s, mid 50s um, in the evening. So it was just super pleasant, balmy weather the entire time. Didn't really expect any rain or any heavy weather, maybe some sprinkles, but nothing really heavy. So I wanted to try out a lighter option. Figured this was a prime trip to try out a uh, tarp tent. I had picked up a Slumberjack, Slumberjack tarp tent from Camo Fire for 60 bucks. Um, you know, I mean, I knew I was getting it discounted, but, you know, 
wasn't expecting a ton out of the my sixty dollar sixty dollar tarp tent, but I I really liked it. Uh, you know, I had a lot of different options to set it up. Uh, used my trekking poles for supports in the tent. Um, you know, it can't. It comes with tie downs. the The ground there was entirely too rocky for me to be able to put in stakes. But fortunately, I was able to grab some really large rocks. Um, you know, I took uh, took the line that came with the t- uh, the tarp tent, strung it out from each of the corners and the sides, attached them to some really big rocks, ran those trekking poles to hold it up, and it worked great. It. Uh, I definitely want to practice setting that up so I can do it a lot quicker and cleaner. Uh, It was pretty windy, though, and it held up. I was really surprised how well it held up. Uh, I really, you know, had no real complaints about it other than the fact that I just didn't know how to practice quite enough uh, setting it up. So for these warmer hunts, I definitely recommend trying out a tarp tent. It's a really great lightweight option. Super easy to just drop camp wherever you are. A lot quicker of a setup. Even even when I didn't know really what I was doing with it, it was still a lot quicker of a setup than a larger tent. So definitely worth uh, looking at. But yeah, so the next day, got up, glassed uh, all through the morning, was up before the sun, out to my glassing point, and... Uh, I'd say glass a good six hours up there. Um, nah, maybe a little bit less than that. I was I was up at six. Probably got out there seven thirty, something like that. So about four and a half, five hours, somewhere in there. Really dug into every every detail I could that I could pick up with my binoculars. But honestly, I don't know if they just weren't there or. If I just wasn't seeing them, but uh, yeah, I was at about noon. I was I was starting to wonder, you know, I was I was debating if I wanted to stick it out and and just really keep digging into those details and seeing if I could glass anything up. But I was getting a little bit antsy, and I had another buddy um, hit me up on Instagram and mentioned that he had found some uh, some water in a few different spots and shot me the location. It was maybe about two, three miles south of me, not very far at all. So I hiked back to the car, hopped in, drove as far as I could, hiked in to see if I could find that water. And it was pretty dry, but I got a couple miles back, got not too far from there, and there was definitely water. There was a good amount. Uh, It was, looked nasty as hell. (laughs) Was very grown over. And I noticed plenty of sign of what looked like jackrabbit. Same thing, you know, I've been seeing everywhere. This looked a lot more fresh. Um, so didn't see any deer tracks. There was no scat, deer scat whatsoever. So it wasn't overwhelmingly promising there. And strangely enough, I don't know what was going on with it, but I was just noticing, I couldn't tell quite what it was, but it looked like something was growing on top of the water. I went and looked looked to take a closer look, and it was bees. It was the weirdest thing I'd ever seen. Well, maybe not the weirdest, but it was up there. There was just hundreds and hundreds of dead bees just floating on top of the water. 
and I mean a, a significant amount, like enough for me to take notice. There was maybe two or three bees still flying around, but there was hundreds of them across the top of the water. Uh, they weren't like waterlogged and floating or whatever. They were just. It was like it looked like they had kind of landed on top of the water or something, and then just died. They were still on top of the skin of the water. It was just, I don't know, it was super bizarre. I don't know what caused it. I don't know if there's something in the water that was toxic to them, but suffice to say it was just really freaking weird, man. Well, past that, uh, past that water trough, I, I saw what looked like some could be some game trails. Um, and it just looked pretty interesting going past that. So I hiked up past the water trough. Um, or the water cashment, or I don't even know what it was, uh, if it was man-made or natural. It was kind of hard to tell because there were some man-made structures around it, but it looked like the the little pool itself may have been may have been natural and people just built stuff up around it. But either way, I walked up past that. Uh, There's some interesting-looking spots, and all of a sudden, before I realized it, I <laughs> had gone on a two-mile hike, um... <laughs> went way up past the that little pool and kind of went up, down, and around and found this other wash that looked like it led all the way out um, to the uh, kind of the road where I had driven in. And then I could come back around to my car if I wanted to. So I'm like, well, might as well take a different way out than I took in, see if I can see anything. Once again didn't stir up so much as a, a jackrabbit or a ground squirrel that I could see. Just really, once again, no sign of anything. I may have seen some coyote scat, but that was old as hell, too. There just wasn't anything moving except for the occasional bird. So, hiking down this wash, assuming that's the right term for it, it looks like an old riverbed. Water definitely flowed down there. I'm really bad. One of these days, I'm going to do a podcast with someone on hunting and hiking and camping terms. You know, I know most of them, but to be honest, you know, I talk about a wash or a draw. I'm not 100% sure what that is. So just admitting my own failures here. Anyway, um, so long story short, I'm following, uh, following this spot where water obviously used to flow on my way out, almost end up getting stuck, uh, started heading down some pretty steep, broken up terrain, and, uh, you know, was was kind of walking, sliding, scrambling down this hill, and for the life of me, uh, wasn't totally sure how I would be getting back up. Um, With all that weight I mean, I wasn't carrying a ton of weight. Uh, I left a good portion of my gear back in the car. But with holding my bow and the weight I had, I'm not sure I would have been able to scramble back up that, at least not very easily and at least not without some scraped up shins and arms. But so I continued down and I end up basically cliffing out. Um, I looked down and I would love to see that spot with water flowing because there would have been a gorgeous uh, waterfall coming down there. It was probably about 20 feet down. Definitely a little bit more than I wanted uh, to try. And, and there's no way I could have really 
hung the way the the edge was. I couldn't have really hung off the edge of it. So was a little bit worried for a minute there. Managed to find a second way out and around and down. But, you know, another word from the wise is learn from my mistake um, and watch what you commit yourself to. You know, especially if you're out there solo. You know, I wasn't worried that I was going to get hurt or, or honestly worried that I was going to be trapped or whatever. Um, but it would not have been pleasant getting out of there. And I'm glad I found a, an easier way out because uh, I unwisely committed myself to a little trip down that draw or wash or whatever the heck because I obviously don't know what the heck either of those are. Long story short, get back to the car, head on out. It's getting a little bit late in the day um, and what I've driven by, haven't really seen any promising spots, any promising sign. So I had a few other water cashments marked on my map and decided, well, with the remainder of my time, I'll go check these out. I'll do a little bit of scouting, and we'll see what I can see for next week. Um, so proceeded to check out the rest of these water cashments, drive around a bit. Really uh, saw some good sign. Uh, didn't see a lot of scat around them, but l- tons and tons of different tracks um, all around the this water Uh you know, you can tell just about everything comes there to drink. It's, it's so dry that, uh, you know, options for wildlife to drink are super limited. And the one thing that bums me out is I wish I would thought to bring my, uh, my game cameras with me. You know, I'm, if I'm coming back week after week, it would be perfect if I had had those game cameras, set them up on a few of those watering holes and come back next week to see what's actually showing up there. Could even leave it there for the next couple of weeks if I don't end up tagging out and just see what kind of wildlife is making its way through there, whether it's javelina or coos, mule deer, or just a lot of friggin' jackrabbits. Um, So, learned a lot. You know, I guess to summarize the biggest things I learned... um, don't forget your frickin' release if you're bow hunting. That's number one. Otherwise, you're going to have to do a lot of driving. Um, when you're doing travel hunts and you're trying to get there by a certain time, make sure you account for time changes. I know that may sound obvious, but, you know, when you're uh, in a hurry and planning, it's not something you always think about. Um, make sure you call ahead if you're having to buy a tag in person make sure you call ahead to make sure the place you're going to buy the tag is open and has staff available that are able to issue a tag um you know make sure your your gear is suited to what you want to do you know obviously you can't uh you can't always have everything and so sometimes you'll just have to make do with what you have i bought the best binoculars that i could afford and, you know, had to, had to deal with having 10 by 42s on, uh, on my trip. But in general, um, if you're able to bring along some 12 buys or 
some 15 buys, you'll have a lot better of a time picking out those details and those deer features than you will with 10 buys when you're glassing miles and miles away um, through the desert. Uh, always, uh, always leave yourself a way out when you're hiking. Don't get yourself stuck into sticky situations. Uh, calibrate your mind and your eyes for the details you're looking for. You know, check a terrain feature. Make sure you know how far away it is and and how big it is or how wide, how tall, whatever. That way you have a sense of scale when you're glassing three miles off and you can't tell how big a cactus or a bush is. You'll have a much better gauge and you can really put that against the size of an animal you should be looking for, the details you should be looking for. Um, well, hope you all found something interesting in this. Uh, not the most exciting episode, uh, just more of me rambling, but uh, yeah, hopefully there was some tidbits in there. Hopefully you all enjoyed uh, hearing about this first week, and hopefully I will... Uh, be seeing some mule deer some coos deer next weekend but i'm gonna close this one off you i'm sure you guys are sick of listening to me at this point so uh check out the show notes page that'll be at livingcountryinthecity.com slash 51 for episode 51 not gonna be too much on there considering i'm just talking to myself but make sure y'all check those out and in the meantime Keep it country, y'all. Thank y'all for listening to Living Country in the City. Get show notes and check out the blog, product reviews, events, and more at livingcountryinthecity.com.